Hi, everyone, and welcome to Utility Safety In-Depth, where we take a deeper dive into topics recently covered in Incident Prevention Magazine. I'm Kate Wade, the editor of Incident Prevention and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Barry Nelson, who wrote a feature article titled Harnessing AI, Crafting the Future of Safety Professionals for the August-September issue of Incident Prevention. Barry is the president and CEO of California-based Factor Lab, with decades of experience at the intersection of incident prevention and technology, he and his team of data scientists and engineers help companies use emerging technologies, organizational science, and machine learning to significantly reduce workplace accidents and injuries. Welcome to the podcast, Barry. Oh, thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Kate. Oh, I'm happy to have you here. Um, so... What I'd like to to start out doing um, is have you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to lead Factor Lab. And I'm also hoping that you can explain a little to our listeners how you and your your teammates, your colleagues, help organizations reduce workplace accidents and injuries. Sure. Uh, thanks again. Um, okay. So, uh, quick background. I'm a you know, I kind of an accidental guy in this space. Uh, I'm an, actually a finance operations guy uh, from the first part of my career. And then 20 years ago, uh, we built a little software company that, uh, you know, um, put forms on a, on a Palm Pilot. Uh, and that led us down a journey of uh, trying to figure out, is the information that we're collecting in the field actually leading to the information we need to reduce accidents and injuries? Um that evolved into Factor Lab, and uh, now Factor Lab is. We've learned after twenty years that a lot of the stuff that we've been collecting um, uh, in the past is not really the information that people really need. Uh, that the information that they really need is more natural language that comes out of the mouths of people. And um, we found out um, recently, over the last three or four years, um, I think we're in the right place at the right time <clears throat> because. Not only are we realizing the power of natural language, so is the whole planet. Uh, and uh, what we what we do uh, very simply is we make it very very easy for people to collect natural language, whether it's free text or whether it's uh, audio or a video. We have a little application that lets them do it, uh, and then we analyze that information in a way that lets them look at the problems in a new light, uh, because it turns out that um, if you just let people talk and you listen to them uh, and you let a machine organize that information um, and by the way if you work depends on how you want to organize it that's what we're going to talk about today uh, but if you let a machine organize that information you will look at the challenges in a new light and you will be able to imagine radical new approaches to solving the problems that people have really been at, which of course is, you know, less accidents, and injuries, but really what are the things that you're doing that are leading to less accidents and injuries, the system, the processes, uh, the culture, the environment, those things. So that's what we do. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> so before we get too deep into our conversation today, I think it's important to define for our audience what artificial intelligence is. You know, we hear references to the term all the time these days. But what is AI in the context of what you and your colleagues do? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. It's a, it is a, oh, I don't know. There's all kinds of scary stuff that's out there. People talk about it. It's very, it's a very confusing topic. I think if you Google it, you'll see it's, it, 
in its general definition, artificial intelligence is having machines do the things that the humans used to be able to do sort of mentally. And a lot of that is around like, Hey, I have a car and instead of me having to drive the car, I can have a machine drive the car, a computer machine, you know, drive the car. How do they do that? Well, they have a lot of sensors and a lot of information and they use math, uh, by combining that together. And, you know, they keep the car from bumping into other cars most of the time. So artificial intelligence, um, we're not doing, and, and by the way, there's stuff that's happening out there in our space now where people are using videos to look at things and identify stuff in pictures, artificial intelligence. Um, our space, and it's the same one, is really around language. You know, uh, we're big, big uh, fans of listening to people and using artificial intelligence. And the, the, in our world, the, the, the category of it is natural language processing. But it's using machines to organize and, by the way, in some cases, generate language in ways that would be otherwise impossible for a human to do. And uh, it turns out that uh, machines can do things now with language, uh, artificial intelligence, subcategory, natural language processing that we just, I mean, it was science fiction uh, just not that long ago, uh, but it's its well within our reach today. Very cool. So one of the things that you mentioned in the article you wrote for us is recording daily job briefings and then using AI to analyze and organize them based on their effectiveness in terms of safety. Can you explain a little bit more about how something like that works? Yeah, I think it's a great example, uh, by the way, and I emphasize the word example, but it's an ex example of the power of AI. So um, let's go backwards to go forwards quickly. So, you know, okay. if there's a there's a daily, uh, and people call them different things, tailgate meetings, JHAs, pretest plans, THAs. There's in the morning, you're supposed to have, I mean, it's a good idea to have a three to five minute conversation about what are you going to do, what are the hazards and how do we, you know, how do we get the work done efficiently and, you know, how do we not, you know, hurt someone uh, in the process? Good idea. Well, you know, first part is, you know, are those conversations actually happening? You know, the way we've traditionally got at that was we would have somebody fill out a form and then sign it to say, yeah, we had a conversation. But, you know, whether that was really a conversation or not is certainly, you know, up for question. But setting that aside for a minute, let's assume that there actually is a conversation. We we have this little, and this evolved and it's another story, but just imagine having a little application on your phone that would allow you to record the conversation or video the conversation or video the environment we uh we found that when we gave that application to people um what they recorded was really really interesting um some of those when you listen to those conversations weren't really conversations they were really just some the piece of paper um or instead of having a conversation like we're having here it was just some guy preaching to people but some of them were really good. I mean, some of them were gold. There were, there was a lot of interaction and they were really authentic and people were really, you know, engaged in caring and asking questions. And you could just tell the difference as a human. If you watched, you're like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that reading thing. And I certainly, you know, don't want to be preached to, uh, but this other thing that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But the problem is people adopted this thing and there would be not thousand of them, but maybe 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000. Well, 
how do you organize 50,000 conversations? So, right. right? So this becomes an interesting yes. <laughs> for artificial intelligence. So we worked with the University of New York in Buffalo, spent, you know, it's, I don't know, almost a year with four PhDs. And uh, they we broke a conversation into some pieces, seven pieces. Um, the, another conversation about what the seven pieces are, if somebody cares, but, you know, caring, are they talking about the hazards? Is there... Are the, is the question quality good? Are they talking about the high hazards? And you build an algorithm for each, or an artificial model, a deep learning model for each one of the seven dimensions, right? So then you send the conversation to the model, or the seven models. It, the, the conversation is broken into a thousand different features. Each of the seven models runs against each of the elements. And then artificial intelligence will then spit out a score that says, yes, this conversation was high in care. This conversation was high in high hazards. This high conversation had lots of participation. And you can now have one conversation that has seven dimensions to it that were predicted by a machine. And then you can group all of the, those conversations that are similar to each other. So you, for lack of a better word, you group all the ones that scored really high and you group all the ones that scored really low and you group the ones that were you know in between. Now you have a way to look at 50,000 conversations on one piece of paper. And once you can see it on one piece of paper, well, then you could do all kinds of things with it, right? Well, you could drill in and see one conversation and watch that and see if you agreed with the machine or not. That's kind of cool. And you could see if those conversations evolved or changed over time. Like, how does that picture look? And that'll be the last piece of this that I'll, you know, stop at my little long story here. But what we really realized is that the individual conversation is a pretty good predictor of maybe the population of the conversation. Meaning, the conversations are interesting, but they're really a reflection of the environment, of the culture, of the leadership. And when you change those things or influence those things, many conversations will change. Yeah. Right? Yes. So... And that was a big, that supports what we've been seeing in the research for years and years, which is focus less on the seed, the individual conversation, and focus more on the soil, right? Which is, yeah. what am I doing as a safety professional? What am I doing as a leader to create the environment for better conversations? And we only got to that by using artificial intelligence to bust a conversation into a bunch of pieces and then looking at the collective conversation to see what patterns emerged. So thank you, Elon Musk. <laughs> um well so beyond job briefings then um what are are there other areas where you believe that ai can be applied to improve safety within utilities and contractor organizations oh for sure well this yes and again if you take the same same sort of logic and we we again wish i wish i could say we were smart enough to sort of see all this you know evolving and all that but the reality is we're not that smart uh, what what happened is that people started fixing the conversations or they would look at these conversations and they would go, oh, that's sort of interesting. And they would think, well, what's the next safety system? And the obvious one that people come up with is the observation or the near-miss good catch. Because there's a, the question is, what's a, near-miss good catches are, you know, notoriously hard to get people to do and the quality of them is sketchy oftentimes at best. And it's not for lack of effort. But you have all this free text that's associated with these things. 
using AI to look at all that free text or using AI to look at audio or video recordings of these near-miss good catches, you can apply the exact same logic. And you, what you're going to find and what we're finding in our research, near-miss good catch, the quality of a near-miss good catch, an individual one is interesting. What's really, really interesting is looking at the environment and the culture around your near-miss good catch program, right? And influencing that, which will drive actual quality. So instead of trying to fix it at the end, this is, you know, if you talk about Todd Conklin and the hop, any, any hop listeners that are out there, focus on the upstream systems, focus on what we can learn from the from this thing, uh, as opposed to trying to fix the individual events. And there you go. So observations are big. Uh, summaries are big. You know, imagine a world uh, that's coming where, um, uh, well, first of all, you have a you have a question on observations, or what do you what are your thoughts about observations? Does that make any sense? Yeah, it, I, it makes sense. Um, I'm curious about in terms of observations. Um, how, like, do you know how many people are, or how many organizations are actually filming or recording any of this kind of stuff? Like, I, I mean, because I would think that that would be like a first step in, in order to even. Uh, amass this kind of information you need to have the, the infrastructure in place to record um, and then how is that perceived by you know the workers and and all that kind of thing so can you speak to that at all oh that's such a good question yeah so so for more and more people are starting to record these conversations and and by the way whether it's a conversation or whether you're you're imagine that you and i like I'm not suggesting if you you and I were having a you know traditional sort of behavior based observation, I would walk up and say, "Let's record our conversation." That I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is uh, uh, you and I would have maybe have a the same event. We're out in the field. We see something. We have you know whatever. We have our typical conversation. What people are doing now is after that, you know, is over when they would, people would typically go out and fill out their form or whatever it is. People are not. Those forms, instead of filling that, you can fill that form out if you want, but it's limited by how much you want to write down and people don't want to, you know, how much they want to do and don't want to do in language and all that stuff. But if you just say, okay, I'm just going to take up and record two minutes and just just say what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the, I had a conversation with Kate and this is what happened. She was up this and this is, by the way, this is what was leading up to that and here's what we learned from that. You can record in two minutes a lot more than you can write in two minutes. Yes. And so what folks are discovering is um, that, and if you do it in that way, it becomes a really interesting way to get new content to your point that you could never have before. Then you can apply the AI to that content. And what they're realizing increasingly is we've been conditioning people because of this limitation to give us the wrong data. Because this data, that necessarily wrong. It's not the information that we really need mm -hmm. to fix the problem. We've been conditioning people to give us symptoms of the problem because what would typically happen is, hey, look, I, Kate and I have a conversation. We, Kate was, you know, I don't know, you're up on a ladder. Okay, I would say, you know, I would just make this a brief thing. Kate was up on a ladder, I wrote it down. I told Kate, get down. Everybody feels better. I did my observation. Okay, well, well why was Kate up on, on the ladder? And right. what made it yes. a good idea? That is getting people to write that down is a long shot. That's just not going to happen. So we haven't therefore been conditioning people to even ask those questions or think about that stuff, much less share it. So what's 
happening is by making it easier for people to collect information using new tools that do this stuff, you allow yourself, and now this imagination thing again, you're allowing yourself to imagine a different way to solve the problem, which is I can now talk to people about what I really want. And then you'll find out that people are actually willing to give you what you really want. And when they do that, that's the information you actually need to prevent the problem, not just stare at some chart that we, you know, used to make for 20 years that said, okay, we have ladders. Okay. You know, Kate's good, Kate's bad. You know, that's just dumb. It doesn't work. <laughs> people are frustrated with it. So anyway, but it's, but it's coming. It's not everybody's there yet. It's on a journey and so forth and so on. But I, I believe this technology of, you know, allowing people to record or capture these things is going to become ubiquitous. And if you want to be a writer, then write. It doesn't matter to me. But just let people be natural and then let's shift our focus to what it is we really, really want. And we the science shows us what we want. Then that information is actually useful. And AI can, can help you with that. Measure your progress. So that's observations. Um, you look like you're thinking. I am thinking. Um, well, I was thinking about how some of that related to my next question, um, which is about psychological safety. And that it's one of the things that I really liked about your article is that you did reference Amy Edmondson in this concept of psychological safety. <clears throat> um, and, you know, we're talking about the soil and the environment and the culture and all these kind of things. So can you talk a little bit about what psychological safety is, why it's so important, and how AI can help to foster it in an organization. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a mouthful. <laughs> I, I want to take it anyway, Dr. Edmondson, and know what I propose to be, you know, an expert on this. But what I will tell you is, I am a huge believer, and mm -hmm. I and I, if I summarize, uh, and uh, again, I am a big, I'm a I'm a fan of her work because I think it's really really right. You, if you don't create an environment where people want to give you bad news mm -hmm. and they don't even, maybe it's even an expectation that we share bad news, um, then it's not going to happen. And, um, and that's what her book is really about. It's really saying you got to create this space where people understand it's, it's okay <laughs> to do it. Maybe even it's even an expectation that you're going to do it. And this, by the way, they've been talking about this for 20 years. So she, her work supports it, and which is everybody's saying, like, create the environment, create the culture where people will, uh, you know, give you bad news or talk about things or be open or have questions. Now, that trans, and by the way, because if, if you don't have that, then you don't have anything to work with. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on in the field. This is you have a, if you have a thousand people in your organization, that's a thousand points of light every day that you could be listening to. Now the question becomes what we, we have this thousand points of light. Amy has said, uh, this is what we should be listening for, which is sort of these cultural indicators. But what have we been conditioning people to give us? Well, not necessarily those things, right? We've been conditioning to rattle off a bunch of safety symptoms or talk about hazards or really frankly, I think conditioning to the information that we thought we wanted as opposed to the information that we really want. And what I would suggest is her work supports, what do we really want? Now, now you tie that back to this AI stuff and you say, well, wait a minute, I can teach a machine to do whatever I want, right? I can teach this machine to listen for everything. Well, imagine if you taught a machine that every morning you listen to a thousand conversations and you just say, what percentage of those have language that indicates people are comfortable talking about difficult things? talking about the stuff that's going to kill you. 
not just the hazards, but creating an environment where it's okay to be vulnerable and say, I'm tired. Um, I might, you know, um, we got a lot of, we got a lot of stuff going on today. We got to get this stuff done. Here's how we're going to compensate for it. Here's how we're going to plan for it. Let's, we got, um, you know, we're getting some pressure. There's a chance that I might have to go, uh, to my wife's dentist appointment this afternoon. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do when I'm not here so that if you need a question, you can get it answered? So marrying these two, these concepts of that things were very difficult for us to measure in the past, which are sort of precursor related things and the environment where people would talk about these precursor things, that language shows up in, should show up in your observations. It should show up in your uh, pre-test plans in your daily huddles. It should show up in all your safety systems and AI can, and I believe in the future increasingly will be measuring the existence or the absence of that language, which is a much more effective indicator than, uh, Kate and Barry had a conversation about ladders <laughs> as fascinating as that would be and important sometimes for all the ladder folks. Yeah, I gotcha. We do need to talk about ladders. That is important. I got that, but hopefully the bigger points made. Yeah. I mean, the psychological safety thing I think is huge and not just in our work environments. I think it's in any environment, you know, whether it's work or home, um, that is the kind of thing that when you create that kind of environment and foster it and keep it going, um, that I think just makes things so much better. Um, people are much more open and you can accomplish a lot more. Um, and just like we're healthier mentally. Oh, for sure. It's a much better way to go through life. And the, the other, you have a really good point, Kate, that I didn't make before. Technology is also allowing us to, someone said this, and I, I'm going to, it was a guy named uh, uh, Steve Jordan from uh, Flintco. He's a customer. He said something yesterday that I thought was really, really beautiful. Technology is allowing us to capture some of the beautiful moments in our culture that were otherwise hidden. I agree with that. So imagine that you have a little video of the daily planning conversation and imagine that someone in that case really showed someone else, not told someone else to be psychologically safe. They showed someone else naturally and authentic how to be psychologically safe just by the way that they did things, by, you know, talking to someone and making sure they were comfortable talking out loud and they, you know, just how they would do it authentically, not some fake way. Well, number one, you now have that asset that you can show other people to say, this is what psychological safety looks like in our organization. I'm telling you, a lot of people have never seen it. They don't know what I believe, it is. Yeah, I believe it. So therefore, we don't know how to replicate it. It isn't because these are concepts. These are abstractions. You want to read your book, you can. I think we understand each other, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it's happening in the organization, but we don't have a way to capture that beauty, share it so that other people can make their own decisions about, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I want to move my own self towards that. And I do that by seeing it. And technology is allowing us to capture it, share it, distribute it, amplify it, celebrate it. That's an appropriate role for accelerating the cultures that we want and taking and operationalizing what would otherwise be accurate, powerful abstractions that we don't know how to operationalize, to make, you know what I mean, and to accelerate. That I think is the appropriate role of AI and the appropriate role of these emerging technologies. Well, and you know, the thing that you said about 
um, being able to capture the good stuff <clears throat> um, leads me into the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, which is, you know, some of the hesitation or skepticism around AI um, has, you know, it, people feel like maybe it's Big Brother watching them all the time. Like, I still hate having that thing in my car from State Farm that, like, yells at me about whenever I break harshly or whatever. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't love it. But I'm curious about your thoughts about it, because for as much as, you know, it could be Big Brother, it's trying to catch people when they're doing something wrong or, or whatever. Um, do you believe that perhaps the benefits of it could outweigh at some point being surveilled like that, um, that if we do it the right way and don't just focus on all the, the stuff we're catching people doing wrong, but um, focus also and perhaps more heavily on what they're doing right and how they're helping to um, create a, a great company. Um, like, what are your thoughts about that? That's a, it, a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, I think, first of all, you know, it's a little bit of the tube and the toothpaste. Uh, I think we're moving down this world. We're realizing that, um, and I, this is much bigger than safety and certainly much bigger than little old factor allowed. Um, AI is an enormous transformative thing that's happening in our in our worlds. And our, our choice is how, do, how are we as leaders going to guide and lead this in an effective way and minimize the the opportunities for people who might want to use it in the wrong way. We won't be able to ever stop that. There's going to be knuckleheads who are going to do it in the wrong way. And I, I, you know, I, I wish there was something I knew to stop that, or I could wish it wasn't going to happen, but for sure that's going to happen. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do as a society about that. We're going to have to just deal with it as it comes because I don't think we're, we're going we're backwards. And, uh, and, and I, I know I'm biased in this comment, but the reason is for the, for the reasons that we were just talking about a second ago, look, Amy Edmondson and others have made it abundantly clear that if we create cultures in organizations where people are fearless and they are able to talk about things, those organizations, by the way, they make more money. They have those employees are happier. They stay longer and there are, there are fewer catastrophic events. That is a real intangible thing. It's not, I didn't make that up. She didn't make that up. That's real work. And you're going to have a hard time convincing me that if we don't, if we, if we amplify those voices, we amplify those people who do that well, and we use AI to do that, we're not going to accelerate people in the organization getting closer and closer to doing that, right? Creating the environment where that happens. So it's a good versus evil thing. I'm a half full guy. But I know that, and I'm seeing it happen all the time where people are realizing, and it, this is just an example, you know, we, we were talking about this one thing, but we're realizing, oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. This is what, this is what you want. I get value out of doing what you really want. And that leads to a bigger thing for everybody. So we at large are a better society, better organization, better team, better group. Um, that's, that's the, that's the appropriate role of AI and it's going to happen and more and more people are going to do it. Um, I think I will also say, yeah, you, as you do this, there's a right, there's a, there's a good, better, best approaches to doing it. If you just walk up to people and you just say, Hey, look, I'm going to, here's a, here's a camera. Gee, I want to just start recording all your daily planning conversations. I hope you like it. You're going to fail miserably. 
Don't do That's that. That's a hard no. <laughs> That's a hard no. In fact, I wouldn't do it. But if you but if you do it another way and you ask them to be a part of sharing what they're doing so that others can learn from them, you're going to find you have a lot of people in the organization who are very eager to be heard. By the way, I'm going to come back to that in one second too. To be heard, to share, and to tell you what they think that you want them to hear so that they can get better and protect themselves, protect others, protect their families, grow the business, be successful. And those voices otherwise are not heard. They are not heard and you got to be able to do it. Which, by the way, goes to this, another, you mentioned earlier about what's the role for technology. The amazing thing that AI is doing, getting stuff into the languages that we, a common language we all understand. Huge thing. Huge. That's huge. Yeah. Kate, I am telling you, a year ago, the best that you could do would be to have human beings like listen to conversations. We This, by the way, where we were, we did our original research. We would send them, humans would have to transcribe them, blah, 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 blah. It was very expensive, very time-taking, very slow. We use artificial intelligence to do that today. And I'm telling you, the machine is better than the human. The machine can pick up things in the environment where there's noise that a human cannot. The machine is more accurate at understanding dialect and um, uh, nuance in language that individuals cannot do. It is, and what that does is it gives voice to, I'm, I don't speak Spanish, so I can speak to this. It gets voice to those of us who don't speak Spanish, as an example, to hear those people who do speak Spanish that we could not otherwise hear. Mm-hmm. Statistics, 30, 35% of the population in, down in Southwest Texas, Southwest, Southwest part of the universe, uh, of the U.S., who in, on construction sites, big capital projects, energy stuff, um, speak Spanish. You can't yeah. hear them. You know, I guarantee you, 35% of the other people don't speak Spanish and English. That means there's a big old gap. We cannot hear those people. And you cannot hear those people. Guess what they do? They stop talking. And if they're not talking, we're not hearing. We're not listening. We're not where our problems, exposures, risk, hazard, culture, stuff that the organization needs to make change. That's an exceptional role of AI. Yeah, that's awesome. And something I hadn't really thought about, um, but... Yeah, the the ability to just have everyone understand each other. Um, it, it's so it sounds so basic, but it's enormous. It's really a big deal. Pretty cool. Did you want to say something else? No, I was just I just I've just I, I, oh I guess if I were going to amplify one more little thing on that, I think if you're going around with trying to align a culture, you're the CEO of a company or you're the vice senior vice president of operations in a company. It's very, very hard to do that if you don't understand a significant portion of the population. Yeah. And, and many of the people who can hear this, they don't have one language. They got five languages or four languages or, you know, whatever, maybe more languages. Yeah. Uh, this AI stuff, it doesn't care. You got a hundred different languages. It'll tell you, by the way, it's crazy. You can, you can, we were in Indiana and uh, these people, they had some immigrants come over from um, like somewhere in Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. I don't remember the name. I don't want to butcher it. They said, could you do this thing? Can we, can they just speak in, you know, Burmese? And the thing will turn it from Burmese to English uh, in seconds. Wow. Yeah. How's that possible? That is a, that is a, that's breathtaking for mankind. And and if you're, you're, you're running, you know, work out there, you don't know how to, Indiana speaks Burmese. I mean, maybe some people, but my people. I'm sure there's a, a few. Yeah. But in, yeah. So it's like, I don't know what they're saying. 
So if you if you they work for you, you got to be able to listen to it. It's a big, you know, it's a huge thing. Especially by the way, the company, your country, maybe they know cultures, maybe they don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's a huge thing. So great role. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, I would like to talk to you even more about that maybe at some point in the future. Um, well, so for now though, we've covered a, like a lot of information here today. Um, so before we close out this episode of the podcast, I just want to ask if there's anything else that you feel like it's important to share with our listeners. I I would first of all grateful again to give this you know have this opportunity to visit with you uh, on this topic. We're at the beginning of something. We're not at the end of something. I, yes. I we need to be coming together and having dialogue um, as an industry. Safety doesn't have to be last. And this is you know a lot of times with innovation, we're the last people to get any of the cool stuff. We're the last people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because it gets, goes to marketing, it goes to operations, and you know, okay, we get the leftovers. You know, you get seven dollars in your budget to go try and you know build an AI model or something. So, <laughs> it this time I'm determined to not be last. I want us to be first and to be leading and showing the organization. Look, and just use this little example that we talked about before: the pretest plan. We can listen to the pretest plan. We can listen to this activity that we need to do. Yes, it's a safety activity, but we're not just listening to it from a safety perspective. We're listening to it from a cultural perspective. And that cultural perspective transcends this event and transcends this department, and it goes right up to the top of the organization, the mission that we're trying to accomplish. And when we empower safety professionals with that kind of opportunity, we can transform their roles, we can put them in positions to do the things that they are trying to do which has influenced the organization towards the culture that they want, right? Mm -hmm. if you like psychological safety, then that's fine. If you're a hop, that's fine. It doesn't matter to, in, in air quotes to me, it doesn't matter whatever you're trying to do, but those are the things that really matters. And that I think is an empowering, powerful force and a transformative opportunity for the safety leaders to cultivate, shape the leaders of the future which are going to be creating the cultures that, you know, these people are going to have to work in. And I think that's a, it's a great time for us. And let's, let's, you know, let's come together and think about it and be creative and have fun and um, be imaginative. And that's our, you know, that's certainly where we're, we are on this whole thing. We don't have all the ideas. We have some ideas. We have, you know, some work in this and we're eager, eager to talk to others and learn from others and engage with others um, on how we can use this, uh, this, this moment in time to, to, to do the best that we can for, for those who care. That's awesome, Barry. And thank you so much uh, for all, all your time and your expertise. Um, as a reminder to our listeners, Barry's article on harnessing artificial intelligence is now available in the August-September issue of Incident Prevention, which can be accessed online at incident-prevention.com. Until next time, stay safe and be well. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Utility Business Media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.